Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar's rewards. Must be 21 or older. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi and hello sports fans. Welcome to a brand new episode of Minus Three presented as ever by Omaha. Oh boy, the state of the Minus Three Union in turmoil for the most part. There is a writer strike going on here in Hollywood. Obviously that impacts our guy, Kevin Hench, but certainly not nearly as much as the demise, unexpected, of the greatest regular season NHL team in people's history, the Boston Bruins, undone by the Florida Panthers. Black. On top of that, Eddie Spaghetti's rags undone by a neighborhood bully named the New Jersey Devils. Not as unexpected, but surely as upsetting. Let's see if we can make them feel better today. Let's say hello to them. Spaghetti there behind the glass. Kevin Hench atop his perch over Hollywood before he heads back to the picket line, I should say. And also, real quick uh, promotion, minus three earlier in the week, a great one with the great Ike Taylor. He unveiled some big news in Steelers country. Joey Porter Jr., his sort of nephew, guy who grew up in Ike Taylor's midst, has decided to wear the number 24 in honor of Uncle Ike, which is cool stuff. He broke that news for us here on Minus 3 and a great conversation if you're an AFC North, an AFC fan, really. Um, high praise for Pickett and Aaron Rodgers and uh, what's going on in the AFC North. So go back and listen to that one if you're looking for some football talk there. We'll dive deeper next week, I think, into the NFL draft to kind of assess where we are in pro football. Right now, though, a very special guest for Kevin Hench and Eddie Spaghetti coming up. But now let's say hello to Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? How are you feeling? Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to talking to Wade Boggs to try to, you spoiled the big surprise. I was supposed to be a surprise for you, but okay. We, you, you knew it was coming. Aren't you supposed to billboard that at the top of the show? Wouldn't that be the kind of thing that would be like on our website? Yeah, you're right. It's literally going to be in the title, but not you. I I wanted you to act. I thought, oh, I don't Either one of you, you could have, you could have played dumb and pretended you didn't know the big surprise I had for you. I wanted to look like a good guy. Like my two fellows are down in the dumps. I need to boost them a little bit. So I'm going to get a Red Sox and Yankee guy who did good things for their team. But okay, carry on. I mean, obviously, like, you know, when you wake up with your car running and in the hedges and an empty bottle of vodka on the seat, you got to reevaluate your life, right? It's Mm -hmm. a a wake up call. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm at with hockey. Like, I got to really make some serious, sobering life changes because, frankly, and, you know, I'll just I'll just say hockey's my bad goat. You know, we'll just get to it. Let's get to our goat and goats. I think I right. I I think the emotions are raw and I think you're you're making the right choice here. And you guys, you know, Spaghetti won't mind probably abandoning hockey with me. But when you guys start talking about hockey, I'm just going to start screaming hand pass. And then you'll you'll know what I mean. But this idea, I'm a baseball guy now. I beat you guys by three weeks to this. I'm done with hockey, a a, a sport that is always, always desperate for interest. I mean, look, first of all, congratulations to ninety nine point nine percent of our listeners for not giving a about hockey. Congratulations. You're smarter than we are because it's not a sport. It's a it's a matrix of coin flips. And, and, and now when you're, when the, you all know this, we've all go through this, right? 
It's not Bobby Nystrom is is seven strides off sides. It's it's a, an electron microscope at the blue line to see if Nathan McKinnon skate if he when he went to the bench did he touch up? Is he technically off sides? So we've all had this experience. You enter the zone. It's often an eyelash, right? When you enter the zone, you're like, I don't know. Are they on sides? They didn't call it. And then you're actually watching your team cycle and you're worried that they're going to score because you're not sure if they were on sides and they can go back. Now, we learned something new in the Bruins-Panthers series on the call that flipped the series entirely. You can rewind through the entire offensive zone possession. It can, at least in the EPL, in soccer, you don't, you don't get to rewind 45 minutes to see if there was a handball in the first half. They rewind to see Jake DeBrus picking up his stick and his glove grazed the puck not a hand pass, obviously, by any definition of the word pass. Bergeron is just picking up the puck and skating with it. And so the Bruins had just gone up 3-2. The, the, everything had been tilted in their favor. The Panthers were wobbling. And then we get to watch, uh, hey, rewind, put it under the electron microscope. Let's see if there were any other infractions. This isn't even an infraction. And, and then you wipe out a playoff goal. A play I hate it. Like Believe me, I so hate like, it. Don't watch. Don't watch. My new, I'm like a supervillain now. I'm like a Marvel supervillain. I have a new goal. You guys start talking about hockey. I'm going to scream hand pass at the top of my lungs. And it's not just hand passes. Okay. It's not just, it's not just the, the, not the spirit of the law. These, these, these reviews are not the spirit of the law. Okay. Well, you need, you needed, you needed Pasternak to make a new goal that, and overtime a game seven is what you need. Bad goat, bad goat hockey. Listen, wait a second. Okay. I just got to say, no, I'm, the not one, the one, I'm not going to pushback is the pushback is this. I want every call to be right. And so do you, but I'm with you. The visceral pleasure in the moment of being a sports fan is robbed. It's the same thing as when you're watching a football game and you're like, there are 10 seconds left in the game. We scored a touchdown. I can't celebrate it. Are there any flags? Are the broadcasters, are they, are they seeing it? Is the graphics guy hitting the yellow thing that's got a flash up to let me know that I By can the way, celebrate or I, not? That you is know, bad. You know, I, am, I am pro replay because obviously the human beings are not up to any of these jobs. But what the hand pass call was is this thing that happens in baseball. Hey, we're challenging that play at second because we think the throw beat the guy. We think he's out. Let's review it. The call was right. He was safe. But in the in the 20 mile an hour collision with the bag, his foot lifted two millimeters off the base and the guy kept the glove on him. So even though uh, he beat the throw and he was called safe, we now have the ability to, you know, zoom in. Oh my God, his cleat did come off the bag. You're out. You're out. And that's right. what Spirit that of the law, Spirit you know, 1983, Wade Boggs era, George Brett, fellow uh, hot corner inhabitant, runs out of that Yankees dugout or the Royals dugout because of the pine tar thing. And the I, I always say it, but was it Bud Brown? Is that who it was? The American League? He's like, all right, pine tar. That's not the spirit of the rule. Are you I mean, officials are not capable? They can't get it right, period, let alone the nuance of like, 
Yeah, but come on. Like <laughs> that would that would be a wild direction too. I but, hear your noise though. Hockey, but I, I, I but it's a coin think, flip. It's too coin flippy now. But, but, for me. Okay. Beyond, have, and the, what's beyond, an upset uh, if it, if everything's an upset? If every series is a potential right, upset, exactly. does anything count so, at this so point? Beyond the the arbitrary not letter of the law overturned flipping the series. Just look at all of these series. Look at them all. How do the Lightning, how do, how do Wade Boggs' beloved Tampa Bay Lightning get eliminated? Tavares flips a seeing-eye 35-mile-an-hour shot, going wide, hits a defenseman skate. Hey, man, your season's over. Hey, Vasilevsky, you never saw it. It went in off a skate. Okay, well, how do the Bruins get eliminated? Montour throw, you know, goes in off Charlie McAvoy's stick. Okay, how do the Kings get eliminated? Zach Hyman floats one from the blue line, 11 bodies in front of Corposalo. He never sees it. It's just a seeing eye floater. It's just a fluke. It's a coin flip. Zach Hyman had a puck go in off his face. Like, what are we watching? We're watching a coin flip. We go down, we try our coin flip. Now you come down, you try your coin flip. Up Bjorkstrand and the Kraken Avalanche, he has a goal go in off a skate and a glove. Like, it's just ridiculous that we're investing anything in this matrix of coin flips it's it, it's not a sport anymore and god forbid your guy does something great we get to rewind the tape and see if his skate blade was an 18th of an inch off sides <laughs> or, or if there was an imaginary hand pass it's just it's just uh it's it's anyway bad goat i don't have to watch any more hockey but hey lord knows when the kraken and stars renew hostilities you want to be watching that? Like, oh my God, it's just. I agree. I agree that it is, it is wend its way. It's like the sports gods are weighing in on the NHL. Like, all right, this is what you get for defying us to the extent you have. Kraken and their uniforms are nice against that Kelly Green. It's an eyesore just on face before you even evaluate. The Kraken are a nice story. The Avalanche a much better story against uh, against the oil and all that. I, I'm with you. Let's move on then. Go ahead. You have a good goat for us? Um, okay, this one is, it's all painful until the great Wade Boggs comes in to, to make me feel better. But um, okay. this is a, this is a hard one because I, because, you know, 23 hours after the stomach punch of the Bruins, there was a, another stomach punch delivered in Boston. What an embarrassment. But, but it was embarrassing, and and Malcolm Brogdon obviously gets my honorary bad goat for the Fred Brown James Worthy pass. Which, yes, it's always bad to just throw the ball to the other team for a breakaway layup, but there's a half a second on the shot clock. Why are you passing the ball? You have no idea. You have no idea how long you guys have had the ball. You think this would be a good time to pass to somebody? This would be a terrible time to pass to anybody. All they could do is catch it and, and get a shot clock violation. So, but I have to say, and while the Celtics defense has driven me crazy, at, at a certain point, I was like, wow, these shots, James Harden, you know, the 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 Celtics gave up a lot of open looks, but he was making everything. He was making, I mean, you know, Horford closed out on him. You know, that's not a that's not an easy shot. He was just so locked in. And for a guy who who weighs even more than I do, it was pretty impressive that he wasn't hitting the front of the rim at the end of that game. He he was burying everything. So James Harden reluctantly, my good goat. I you know, listen, 
noble stuff out of you, Hench, in, in defeat there, I think. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll do mine. My uh, my bad goats um, for this week, it's a tie. It's Kevin Hench and Eddie Spaghetti. What in the hell on our text chain that we have with, with Sal? Hench tells us on Sunday night, I'm to, we're, we're all texting about the Bruins game seven. Like, oh my God, I can't believe this is going to overtime. Hench in that moment weighs in with like, Oh yeah, I'm not watching the game. It's not worth it. It's too upsetting to me to watch game seven. I can't believe that. Then on Monday night, rags devs are playing in the late second uh, period. And I'm texting with spaghetti's fiance, Jada, like, Hey, get a little uh, surreptitious video of spaghetti here. I, I I promise I won't show it if the rags lose, but if they come back and win this game, that'll be a fun thing to watch here, the ups and downs of a sports fan here. That'll be a fun little video there. And she said, he's already left. He's off playing video games now. He, he left it to nothing. What the hell are you two doing with yourself? So you stop watching? It's the game. It's a must win game. Literally. You know, I like must win games. What's, what's wrong with the two well, of you? You're dead wrong Well, Jack, I don't know if you know how those games turned out, but are you going to congratulate us on our good life choices? I mean, I guess so, but I've, I'm proud of myself because I have survived multiple game sevens and most of them were in losing efforts. And here I sit stronger for it. Don't you see? No, you're, you're dead wrong. I mean, last year's, uh, the Rangers were in the first, they were in a first round game seven last year, right? I don't what, remember what happened that in that one. It's Louis Domingue. Was that, that who it was against? Was that, uh, oh, that was uh, yeah when Breadman uh, scored and they won. Are um, you really was, the stronger cool. for it though, Shaq? No, the could, I, you, could the, you bench as much as spaghetti <laughs> can military press? <laughs> can, can I bench what spaghetti can curl? The answer is likely no. No, I can't. I'm a, a very weak man. I think about eighty five percent of uh, of my I, fellow so humans proud. could beat me up. I'm so proud of my life choice on Sunday. I I spent time with both my daughters separately. I went to the gym. Talk about making yourself stronger, you know, and I'm on, of course, I've got multiple text threads and I'm like, oh, I'm a genius. I'm a genius. I, I'm so smart to not watch. I'm, obviously, I'm taping it. And then, and then the Bruins come back and then I'm like, don't, don't do it, Hench. And then I do, I do tune in to see them lose. I did get. <laughs> that delights me. Evil. Your laugh is evil. You're like a. I feel bad for the both of you. I told you I've been through it. I understand. It's the worst experience. One that's been like the the three worst things a human being can do to themselves is watch playoff hockey, especially a game seven, especially a game seven that goes to overtime. It's it, it it's. A horror, but you have to do it. That's the contract you made. Don't you see? You decided the route for the team. You're going to tune out in the big spot. Very sure. And a little birdie named Sal. I don't want to tell you who it was. Uh, a little birdie, though, told me that you bet on the Florida Panthers. True or false? Well, I all oh, that is very standard. I always. I mean, that's how we've talked about this for years. I know, but it's outrageous. Spaghetti, agree with that at least, please. Um, I, I mean, betting against your team when the season's on the line, betting against it's tough. I mean, but in theory, like I have the bet place in the stars. So I guess I didn't really bet for no, the Rangers either. I bet on the Rangers. I bet on the Rangers uh, to win the conference. <laughs> and, and, and the reason why I, I, I tuned out with, they scored the devil scored the second goal with four minutes left in the second period. 
the one goal, the, the Rangers score one goal just seemed insurmountable. So in 20 minutes of hockey and the Devils ended up scoring another goal and then an empty netter, like they weren't going to score enough to win that game, especially with how they've been playing in losses. They they literally averaged less than one full goal in all of the losses in the games, three, four, uh, five and seven losses. So like they they were just as Jekyll and Hyde as could be. And I knew once that's like the one goal, I was like, maybe we'll just get lucky. It'll, it'll bounce off a skate or a glove. Like Hench was talking about before. Um, but once the second goal came, I was like, that's it. Like they, they just don't have the fight in them and this game is over. So I took off my Apple watch, put my phone in a different room. And I, I started to <laughs> just do something made me happy, which was not watching sports. <laughs> I think it's wrong. And I don't know what was double wrong was what, 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 what point is there in bringing up the the Penguin series last year? What, what's your goal with that? I don't I understand just, why you bring that up. I was trying to remember good times, uh, just the, when I was happy when the Rangers won two series and also had a three uh, a big lead in Game Three versus the Lightning before they dropped uh, four straight. So those wow. were better times. Who would have thought the last year would have been better than this year? I'm still. I can I be honest with you? I'm still sick about the the Islander series. I'll, I'll eventually deal with my raw emotions related to the rags 2022 series. I'm still grappling with Tristan Jari's implosion two playoffs ago. Anyway. All right, spaghetti hit us with your uh, best bets. Cause we got Wade Boggs coming up here. I mean, my your, uh, your, uh, your goat and goat. I'm sorry. But I, I do. And I do have one best bet and I'll, I'll lay it on uh, very, very quickly with my goat and goat. Um, my bad goat of the week. And I, I still, I did this on, on Megan's already the bad goat of the week is me uh, for caring about sports, caring about men who I don't know, who skate <laughs> on frozen water with knives in their feet. Um, they affect my life. And then the pe- the the good go to the week are people who don't watch sports, people who uh, take up, you know, things that are meaningful in society and they find things that make them feel good. Uh, people who watch just cartoons or people who read books. And I, I think I said study birds on, on the Megans, that kind of stuff. Um, I think those people are way, way smarter than me. So uh, I'm as incredibly dumb as it could be. And I thought like, okay, the worst case scenario and my prediction, uh, I'm not sure why I made this, but I said, I had a feeling with this Yankees team, they made some signings I liked. And I think they were going to kind of float under the radar in terms of New York sports because of all the other craziness with the other teams, obviously Rogers to the jets and the giants making the playoffs and the Rangers run, the devils run, the Islanders run uh, the Mets being good and bringing in Ver- Ver- Verlander and stuff. So it's like, there's enough going on in sports. The Yankees after the judge stuff kind of, went away it's like they could you know ease into a playoff spot and win it and uh that does not look like that's happening either so i'm just so dumb i fooled myself so that's why i get my bad good and just to round out my best let me say let me say a good goat real quick because i didn't squeeze one in there uh it uh belatedly uh, to kevin hench and peyton manning our colleagues they teamed up and talk about doing something better than uh than just watching sports they have now created a half hour comedy upcoming um you can read all about it go to deadline or otherwise track uh, track down one of those industry rags amidst the strike just in advance of it they squeeze through a show about what it's like being in a sports book. Peyton Manning, Kevin Hench, Kevin Hench, Peyton Manning teaming up on a half hour of comedy. Good times and muzzle tub to you guys on that one. I'm sorry, I derailed you there, Spaghetti. Go ahead. No, that was it. I just want to give him my, my best bet. And before I give her the best bet, um, I have to combat something that you and Hench are just talking about, which is, and, and Sal too, not you know thinking you need a superstar, hating to see the Panthers in the next round. Well, before I give out my best bet, which is tied into this, um, it was the all-time greatest viewership for a first round of NHL playoffs in the history of television or the history of cable. Uh, almost a million viewers. It's the most all-time in the first round. The um, the the Bruins Panthers game peaked 
at 4.1 million viewers. It was the most watched ever first round NHL game. And then the night game, the Kraken Avalanche uh, game seven, 2 million viewers on TNT. It was the most watched late window game ever. Um, like I said, I am so in the, the the corner of, I think as long as you have a great series, people will tune in and watch. And I, and I think the, obviously the addition of hockey being on ESPN, TNT, TBS is, is great for them. And uh, I, I just think people are really bought into this first round because it, it's so wacky, but it makes it fun. And why I say this, my best bet, and after seeing the games yesterday, and I know I have money on the stars, but seeing that Kraken team, uh, even though they gave up the, the lead and they come all the way back, they still found a way to win in overtime. And then to see the the Panthers take on the Leafs, and I think a lot of people are like, okay, the Leafs got by the lightning. They got out of the first round. They kind of got the monkey off their back. They're going to be okay. Oh, I agree that this is a tough spot. For and them, then the Panthers, like I've said before to you, I think Matthew Kachuk right now is probably the best player in the playoffs. Yep. That team is full of guys who are just scoring. And they're not like they're scoring on an outrageous, outrageous clip. Um, and that's how you win games. And then now Bob Rofsky's back in. He's a two-time Vezina winner. And uh, I guess he's a little bit of confidence, which is a good thing for them. So my best bet, and they, these are both at plus 3,000, but the exact Stanley Cup finals, um, I'll go with the Panthers over uh, the runner-up being the Kraken. It's, it's plus 3,000. You want to do the reverse that you want to do Kraken with the runner-up being the Panthers, same thing, plus 3,000. Uh, obviously, insane odds, but like... I, I think with this playoffs the way it's been, I don't think that's insane. Um, I, I, I hear your noise um, on that one. Although Bob is a good bet to go against in big spots. I know that's ironic to say um, the two-time Vezina trophy winner, but, but he has blown some major um, moments in his career. It's a good bet. You would think to take the Leafs in the series, except they have their own issues between the pipes. So, Boy, that's a tough one to read, especially early in the series, both coming off of big emotional series and uh, meaningful series to both franchises. Who's going to show up early on and steal those games? Um, fascinating California-based series, Golden State and the Lakers go. And I was surprised to see the Lakers go in there and steal game one. I was pretty sure the Warriors would take care of business. I'm doubly sure they're going to win. Game two, the problem is if you take them on the money line, it's uh, minus 225. I'm going to say go ahead. I'm very um, nervous about saying this one, but I'm going to say take the Warriors laying the six in game two. It's fairly close. It's not a must win, obviously, but they do got to have it. Nugs look better than the Suns. I think the big thing, and I was watching J.J. Redick on Wednesday morning talk about this, and he made me feel smart. I think the big thing that people aren't talking about is, first of all, we've all um, collectively, we've all convinced ourselves about something about the Denver Nuggets and we talked ourselves out of them. I'm a big proponent of like, yeah, you got to build towards the title, but the Nugs have been involved in the playoffs now for several years ongoing and have had their little runs here. So I think they're playoff ready. Um, and Jokic looks great and everything else. And I regret sleeping on them to the degree I did. But the other big factor is KD got good looks and couldn't knock him down. That's the difference in the series. It could be 1-1 right now if KD had KD'd in the fourth quarter the other night. He didn't. Now, Suns going back home. Without Chris Paul, I'm going to say the Suns show up for one game. I think they make it a 2-1 series here. So I say bet him on the money line. Suns minus 170. And with that, Wade Boggs is here. So let's cut off best bets and get to number 26. 
plus 12, plus 12. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. You know, when the conversation turns tampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards, credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full the word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. All right, listen, you know me. I am one of society's great empaths, and I feel sad for Kevin Hench, who's down in the dumps because his Boston Bruins lost earlier in the week, and for Eddie Spaghetti, whose New York Rangers lost earlier in the week. So I figured, let's kill two birds here with one Boggs. He is a Hall of Famer for the Red Sox. He's a Yankee. He's a Devil Ray. And now he's a part-time investigator trying to get to the bottom of the scandal that is Cool Blue or is it in fact Wade Boggs? Learn more with the hashtag Boggs is blue. It's Wade Boggs. How are you, sir? Thanks for the time today. 
Good, good. Glad to join you guys. Hey, how about a little sympathy for our Tampa Bay Lightning? Let's go. If you know if, what? I'm sorry. Look if, at you're you, dishing it, if you're dishing it out, let throw some love my way. Let's go. We're, oh, we're morning down here as well. Amen. Wait, I, I came prepared to, to, to talk about you as a singular baseball player, but if you derail me into hockey, I'm going to be crying. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> Lightning and Bruins both eliminated on garbage goals, right? Off McAvoy's stick and off the defenseman's skate. So enough about hockey. Yeah, Let's there talk you about go. Real sport, baseball. Now, Wade, you know, every time I revisit your stats, and I know them by heart because I watched about 100 games a year during your prime with the Red Sox. Well, you thank know, you. Wade – Wade was so far ahead of his time in terms of how baseball is played now. You know, Moneyball comes out and people go, you know what every batter should try to do? Not make an out. That was Wade's approach to the game. Now, was that conscious, Wade? Like, did, you know, you know, I know in Boston it was like he should hit more home runs. Now they would know how great this Hall of Famer was. Well, it was, a, it was a conscious effort to get on base because I was the leadoff hitter. Um, you know, and, and my my job was to get on base, score runs, set the table for the big guys coming up behind me, Jimmy and Dewey and and who, whoever was hitting fourth, whether it's Don Baylor or, or Tony Armas or, or whomever. So that was my job, get on base, score runs. Now, do you, so Sheck, do you want yes. to know how often this guy got on base? I mean, I know it was a lot. I remember it, watching it too. Yeah, 200 hits and 100 walks guaranteed. So if you go to the baseball reference and see the caliber of player who gets on base 300 times in a season, Wade did it seven years out of eight. So for the better part of a decade, he's on base 300 times. You know who got on base 300 times last year in the majors? Nobody. Hmm. Listen to these names when you look at Wade Boggs's 1985 season. Wait a second. Hey, what are we doing here? You're just telling Wade what he did when he played <laughs> He's baseball? He's forgotten a lot of this. Oh, yeah? Wade well, himself has forgotten a lot of PBR, maybe. He I gets, don't know. He gets on base 340 times in 1985. <laughs> Listen to the names around him on that list. Ted Williams, mm-hmm. Lou Gehrig, Ty Cobb. I mean, this, this I feel like Wade Boggs the most undervalued Hall of Famer for his time because everybody, everybody now knows not, by the way, not just not making outs. This guy never tapped back to the pitcher on a first pitch. Wade, how were you so confident hitting with two strikes? Because I never swung and missed. That was, that was one of the, the, that's the kind gifts. of cheating. That is kind the of cheating. Gifts. Knowing you will never had. swing I, I didn't miss. mind getting to two strikes. Nowadays, guys hate to get to two strikes. I mean, the the strikeout rate in Major League Baseball now is is atrocious. But but I knew that they had to throw it over the plate, the little White House, seventeen inches, and in order to get me out. And if it was close enough to the plate, then I was I was going to swing and make contact. So. I'd, I'd give you the first two pitches, and it's 0-2, and then I'd start working my at-bat. And, and every one of these bats was a Van Gogh. I mean, every one of these at-bats, like Michelangelo, like the way – like Floyd Mayweather. Like he would he would win every one of these encounters with a pitcher. And, you, Sheck, you don't understand. Wade's not – there's no hyperbole. It was 0-2 <laughs> 
every at bat. He's like, so now we go, oh my God, oh and two, the pitcher has this hitter on his hip. This this hitter is in trouble. Watching Wade Boggs, you're like, it's 0-2. The pitcher's doomed. Uh, you're not telling me. I, I love how we're talking at Wade now. Just sit back, Wade. You can you can rest up there. Put He's your feet up. He's loving this. In 1986, this in my, my diehard Red Sox old man took me to Yankee Stadium in June because he felt like this Red Sox team was for real. And so we drove, we went to New York City, and we watched the, the Sox sweep a three-game set up there and he taught me all about Boggs and Jimmy Rice and all the red and, and Dewey Evans and all the rest of the, the crew there. I'm curious, Wade, you know, Ted Williams uh, previously mentioned there. I remember you used to have powwows with him and Tony Gwynn and talk about hitting and all that kind of stuff. Um, and famously Ted Williams couldn't impart um, what he knows about hitting to other human beings. Like he was not a great manager. Are you able to do that? Hench just asked you, like, how did you do it? No, too. Like, can you tell other people this? Is, here's the simple trick I have for hitting a baseball. Well, the, the, when I, when I look at baseball nowadays, guys swing and miss like it's going out of style. Hmm. And I don't know whether or not their eye hand coordination is, is from all the Nintendo that they played when uh, they were little kids. <laughs> Uh, rather than playing the wiffle ball out in a vacant lot. But, uh, yeah, I, when I was the hitting instructor for Tampa Bay in 2001, I, w- I would try to make it as simple for these guys as, as, as I could. And one of the things was trying to, was trying to get a good pitch to hit. And you could, you could sort of tell that the guys that didn't like to get to two strikes, they would swing early in the count and not wait to, to – foul off a couple pitches and work it to 2-2 and then maybe work it to 3-2 and then uh, continue on with the at-bat. But uh, guys that that could consistently make contact, you didn't have to worry about those guys because they could they could get to two strikes and not worry about uh, striking out. Wait, let me take this one for you because I think I know the answer to the Shex question. You could let the ball travel deeper, right? Because you were going to... Th- blip it up off that left field wall and and the the longer you let the ball travel the more information you're acquiring now i feel like everyone's got those hips open trying to pull the ball 450 feet and and that's why you're seeing these these crazy strikeout rates that's that's exactly right and and these guys uh, in order to create the launch angle that they that they want to use in order to uh, hit the ball out of the ballpark, that's why they banned the shifts because the guys couldn't go the other way and they mm. wouldn't let the ball get deep on them and, and hit the ball the other way. These are major league hitters and these are some, this is something that you work on. And when you go, when you go back and, and look at George Brett, Rod Carew, Paul Molitor, Robin Yount, uh, Tony Gwynn, and all these guys could use the whole field. And now guys that are sitting there and coming up to the plate and pulling the ball and, and you've got the rover out in short right field and he throws him out at first base. Uh, and now they start complaining that we need to ban the shift. Learn how to hit the ball the other way. I, I'm with you, Boggs. That, that's a lot of you can't do, you're a major yeah. league baseball player. Learn preach, to hit the other way. Preach, <laughs> preach, brother. Absolutely. Adjusting the rules so that you don't have to adjust your approach at the plate. Awful. Um, the other thing Wade Boggs did, you know, that again, no appreciation for this. We just had a kid, 24 years old, 
pulled from a game while pitching a no hitter after 100 pitches, right? This, the pitch thing has just gotten out of hand. The worst thing you can do is a one pitch out. You know, you go up there swinging and you pop up to the second baseman. Wade would not just let him throw two strikes, but then when he started whittling them down to a nub, just flicking foul balls. This was something Ted Williams could do too, right? Flicking foul balls down that left field line because I feel like you could wait so long to decide if that pitch was two inches off the plate or on the black. You would just have these epic at-bats, 17 pitches, Wade Boggs on first base. Well, that's that's a, a lot of the the information that I took from Ted Williams was he said the longer the bat goes on, the the more the hitter has the advantage, and the pitcher's going to make a mistake. And I I see guys go up and swing at the first pitch that's letter high or or curve ball in the dirt, and they swing at it and dribble a ball to shortstop, and I'm going that that was a poor at bat that that, that just didn't. And and it and it didn't help the other it didn't help the guys on the bench either because that was another thing I I would like to see every pitch my first at bat and then I could relay that all that information back to the guys on the bench and say okay his ball's moving about three or four inches his slider his slider's not breaking that much uh, his curveball he can't get it over his fork ball he can't throw for strikes so and I then, would relate. and then Tony Armas would say. I don't care, Wade. I'm swinging at three pitches in the dirt and then coming and sitting over here. <laughs> well, that's that was Tony's philosophy, but he he went bridge more times than not and, and no. won, won us a whole bunch of ball games. So you were. Let you me were, fire through very quick questions here that uh, that uh, a more objective or universal baseball fan has versus a Red Sox fan. One, Wade Boggs, would you like to? I don't want to put you on the spot here, but you're talking to a Red Sox fan here. Then again, there's a Yankees fan listening as well. Do you want to now publicly make a statement about the horse incident? <laughs> well, An till this day or otherwise, till this day, I've never gone back and looked at the video of how I got up on that horse, and <laughs> no. because I'm deathly afraid of horses, and and I was bitten in the back when I was five years old. But uh, yeah, that's that's one of the smartest moves I've made in a long time. I just get on on the back of that police horse and ride around Yankee Stadium with uh, number one. Uh, <laughs> it, it's everybody knows that that was 1996, and and it was a long time coming for Yankee fans. Uh, we had an 18 year drought, but uh, 96 was very special. Did hey, you wait, go with number wait. 12? Did you go with number 12 when you went to the Yanks in honor of a can of Paps Blue Ribbon? I'm telling you, that's where they that's where they got the 12 ounces from. Uh, because <laughs> right. I, I thought well. so. I thought <laughs> exactly. so. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I'm never I'm never going to recover from Wade Boggs saying we in referring to the Yankees. That that was rough. Uh, I'm that, so, I feel bad. That, I'm the one that, who brought it up. Hench. I, um, it's my fault. But I will say this about that. Um for some reason, for me personally, you know, Clemens ends up on the Yankees, F that guy. Johnny Damons ends up on the Yankees, F that guy. Wade Boggs gets a ring with the Yankees, bless that guy. Like, hmm. I'm like, I was so happy Thank for you, brother. him. Appreciate I was so happy for him because of, of all the, the good at-bats he had for us. Um, it just just astonishing to watch an artist at work for all those years. Hey, let me ask you another question, because it was like, you were... 
you were always a hitter and you would come up and have these springs where you'd hit 486 and get sent down. You like, what was your understanding of what was taking you a little while to break in? I mean, I know Lansford was there, right? But you, you, you know, once you broke in, you never stopped hitting line drives. Did were what were they telling you? Actually, they weren't telling me anything. That was that was kind of the the misnomer when when I had led uh, the International League in 1981 and hitting. Uh, we had seven guys off of Pawtucket go to the big leagues, and I wasn't one of them. So I had to go home and uh, eventually found a job in two weeks to go to Puerto Rico. And I was added to the 40-man roster in that uh, December of 81, went to spring training in 82, and made the ball club. And then that un- unfortunate night that uh, Carney Lansford slid into Lance Parrish and broke his ankle, and now I'm the third baseman. And since then, it was uh, what they say in Hollywood. The rest yeah. is history. I forgot. We got to send Lance Parrish some luggage from the show. Uh, <laughs> I Hey, Hench, you got bummed out there for a second. That was my fault. I, I want to return the favor if I can here. Boggs, answer me this. It's, you know, it's one of the most iconic, you know, games in, in uh, of my lifetime. Obviously, it's uh, probably a sour memory for you. Game six. Who goes into the who goes into the clubhouse and has the most beers? And for first of all, but second of all, do you guys because every, the the thing history forgets is that you guys went up in Game Seven three nothing right? And, exactly. and I think yeah. people have erased that from it. But did you guys have a sense like okay, we lost that game, we'll come and get them in Game Seven, or was it like ah, we blew it? We're not, we have no shot in this one because it was it was a fait accompli the way it is perceived retroactively. No, actually, like you said, we were ahead in game seven and just couldn't hold a lead. But um, now there was no one to blame for, for game six. It, it, it was, you know, just a cast of characters and it wasn't in the cards for the Red Sox to do it. But uh, thank God that, that they did it in 2004 or, or whenever to take that uh, giant gorilla off of our back. So uh, you love that. So so when you're watching Keith Folk catch uh, catch that uh one hopper back into his mitt there. You're, you're celebrating you for, Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. The champagne's going and all of that good stuff. And, or beer, uh, right. But, well, whichever, but, uh, <laughs> well, the champagne of beers. No, no, a no. PBR, a little no. PBR. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Hey, wait, <laughs> let me yeah, ask but, you this. Let me ask you this. Cause we still have you. And I appreciate it so much, but, um, so like you in 1994, I'm a millionaire on strike and I feel like it's very weird how um, like working class people always root for the billionaires against Mm. common millionaires like us. And, and when you, you know, so what was your, I mean, obviously the Yankees were loaded in 94. What was your, I think you're loaded right now. What an obnoxious loaded. to my what right, Boggs. What was your take <laughs> on that that labor action and that walkout and your your union saying like, hey, we're the workers. We're the guys that people pay to see, you know, just pay us our, our fair wage, even if it is a lot of money. Well, I still give Bud Selig a lot of grief for canceling that season because that was probably the the greatest Yankee team that I had ever been associated with. And and that's saying a lot because we won at 96, but uh, yeah, when you're, when you're in a union, everyone sticks together. That was uh, sort of the misnomer that we had 
when uh, we all would get together in March of uh, 95 and, and here in Florida and the guys in California that uh, we've got we've got to have solidarity. We've got to stick together. And, and there were guys that wanted to cross the picket lines, but uh, the owners brought some scabs in and found out that that didn't work. And then we had a, a resolution and went on with spring training and, and continued the uh, 95 season. You know, what's funny is I'm in the writer's guild. So we, we have to go look in our garages for bats to bring to the picket line to hit scabs with, but you guys all had bats already. That's got to be a terrifying picket line to cross. You think you're going to get by Wade Boggs on a picket line? This guy can hit a ball that's two thirds of an inch off the plate for a double off the monster. He he's gonna he's gonna take uh, uh, revenge on a scab. Um, well, g- bless you, Boggs, for 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 standing on that picket line. Appreciate you so much as a player. <laughs> and a human being. This is such a thrill. I, you know what? I've interviewed you before, but I'm not going 30 years between Wade Boggs interviews next time. No, next Good week deal. we're doing it again. You let me say this, final word. Final word, because we got to let him go. Um, yeah, I know. Okay, Wade Boggs <laughs> in the Red Sox clubhouse. Like, there, as Wade can attest, there were some big personalities on that those teams. Not all of those guys loved the media. Not all of those guys we're looking uh, to give you a quote beyond F off, get away from my locker. Wade Boggs, nicest guy, gentleman, great quote, which I think everybody can see right now. It was the same when he was winning batting titles for the Red Sox. And I was a 21-year-old reporter, and, and he was an absolute delight. You could go to his locker, and he wouldn't chase you away like uh, certain uh, certain pitchers nicknamed Rocket. I won't name names. <laughs> you, you may have said too much. I, I'm not the. Ju- I'm not here to judge. Wade Boggs, I appreciate, I appreciate that, brother. Thank you. Hey, Wade Boggs, for real, uh, a thrill for all of us to, to get to talk with you. We appreciate all the time. Paps Blue Ribbon. It is a truly, you know, everybody tries to be funny these days with ad campaigns. What you've created is legit funny stuff. There, look at appreciate it. And best wishes yeah. in tracking down this cool blue character who's clearly you. <laughs> I think part of the thing is. Have you ever in your adult life not had a mustache? Maybe if you shave, remember when Selleck did it a few years back, it didn't sit quite right. Is that what you're afraid of? Is that why you keep the stash? Yeah, I did, I did the, uh, I think, 90 All-Star game and it, it just oh, didn't did. feel right. So I, I, I grew it back rap- rapidly and, and have had it ever since. Smart. How's mine coming in? Because I've been growing this sucker for about 37 years. <laughs> yeah, it looks good. <laughs> it looks good. All right. His Wade Boggs tribute mustache. Slow going. Slow going. Um, anyway, yeah, listen, uh, Wade, uh, awesome to get to catch up with hey, you. Everybody do yourself a favor and go to Wade Boggs's baseball reference page. You will not believe what an incredible hitter this guy was. And by the way, I mean, everyone lumps him in with Tony Gwynn. Wade Boggs on base percentage, 27 points higher than Tony Gwynn's. Just, 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 oh. just go look at these numbers. They're mind boggling. Astronomical. Hashtag Boggs in Blue is how you track down this very funny uh, ad campaign that Paps Blue Ribbon uh, has going around. Uh, the great Wade Boggs, the Hall of Famer. Thanks so much. Enjoy the rest Thanks, of your man. day. And Thank keep you, your Wade. chin up. The Lightning will be back next year. Or maybe they won't. I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with them. But, ooh, we, we all, you know what? Also. 
as we speak, my Pittsburgh Pirates are down there against the Rays. You like those Pirates so far? You excited um, well, about them? Yeah, they for we, real? Yeah, we beat you last night. So I saw that, but are they for real? You think long term, next few years? No, they're they're stepping it up. All right, I'll I'll take that as a ray of optimism from uh, a maybe the greatest ray of all time. I think we could say that one of the great Red Sox, one of the great Yankees, one of the great hitters in the history of the game. Thanks so much, Wade Boggs. My pleasure. Take care, guys. And now a quick break. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one of a kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ah, good times, right? Oh, my God. I mean, just a machine. Just, you know, now we know. Moneyball came out. Now we know. But, like, the now we know the worst thing you can do is a one-pitch out. That's what the, the, like the pitcher would rather get you out on one pitch than strike you out. One, one pitch is, you know, so Wade, that was off the table. He was taking two strikes every at bat. And, and then he would just go to work. He would lay off anything an inch off the plate. And then, and he's just like these numbers, 200 hits, hundred walks every season, just hitting lasers everywhere. And then ironically, you know, the knock, from from the dum dums was yeah but you know he doesn't hit home runs then he becomes the only guy to get his three thousandth hit on a home run yeah all that was I I get I'm surprised that he is I, I don't know surprised I mean he you know we self validate that he's not like I don't know about jumping on that horse maybe that was rubbing it in the wrong people's not inadvertently rubbing it in Red Sox fans' faces, but he's, he's like, oh, that was great. That was, I wish I could have done I don't know. How, <laughs> the story of how he wound up on the horse is a great mystery for him to try to solve. I I, I brought up the Ted Williams stuff because I remember those videos. that I don't even know who would put them together, but it would be like, Ted Williams holds court on hitting, on the art of hitting with the two greatest hitters of the era, Wade Boggs and Tony Gwynn. And it used to occur to me like, Man, I'm a millionaire. I'm, I'm I'm the best hitter in the American League right now. Why do I have to sit here and listen to, to this guy wax about about hitting? But it sounds like Wade actually extracted extracted something from that. Just like that, Hench just did with Box. I love that that um, you know, uh, you know, so Wade, what was your secret? Don't swing and miss. I've been I've been coaching this uh this little league team all wrong. Hey guys, new new plan, new plan. Uh, it's like when um, G. Gordon Liddy would uh, hold his hand in a flame, and they'd go like, "How do you do that?" And he'd say, "The key is not minding." Like, oh, okay, that's not helpful. <laughs> um, well, good times. I hope that uh, that boosted your chin a little bit with uh, oh, a huge thrill. And by the way, he was such a nice guy in the Red Sox locker room, which was a 
terrifying place to be a 21 year old reporter. Oh, uh, I can't it, imagine. Jim Rice yeah. was infamous for Jim not being Rice a good guy. And Roger Clemens, you're like, I, I'm gonna, you know, I'm I'm so nervous to say to ask my question and then just to get obliterated and then have all like the Shaughnessy types laughing, like, oh, that was fun. And then you'd go over to the batting champ and he'd be like, Hey, how's it going? That's a great question, kid. So hmm. Delightful, delightful. That's terrific. That's a, it's a, as I say, it takes just as much energy to be mean as it does to be nice. Why not uh, just choose to be nice? 33 years ago. I That's amazing. That really is cool stuff that, to come full circle so that you could t- let him know that you're now a fellow millionaire. <laughs> what the hell was that, Eddie Spaghetti? Well, that, listen. And just letting him know. No, look, hey, it's germane um, because when labor unions go on strike, there's always a lot of sympathy unless uh-huh. you guys make a lot of money. Then it's I like, it. you're right. F you're those, right. F those writers for inconveniencing me at the intersection. I That's just, what we always talk about. We, I, I say that all the time to you. Yes, exactly. With athletes, the, the brand that will resonate beyond the player's career is what fans will end up leaning towards because it disrupts their personal enjoyment. So what is getting in the way of that is a, you, you're not going to come and play for the team this year, superstar. You're going to hold out for more money. Well, then you don't care about the blanks as much as I do, as much as I thought you did. That's so, so that's why ownership always wins and why why players end up being like, I don't know what's going on here. Now I'm the bad guy. Like, yeah, that's how the that's how the world kind of reacts. By the way, even when the owners lock out the players, even when the right. owners dictate a work stoppage, most fans are like, hey, man, you make millions of dollars playing a game. They locked us out. We're not allowed to go to work. Whatever it is, they have to. Yeah, right. The the pushback on that is always like, hey, you're making millions of dollars to play a game like, no, no, you have to add an adverb. You know, I'm I'm opposed to some adverbs, the overusage of them, at least. But you have to add at the back at a playing game. uh, You you get millions of dollars to play a game, play a game. Well, if not better than 99.99% of the people who've ever walked the planet earth. That's the difference. That's the difference. But this is the thing about all (laughs) you wouldn't like it as much. If Kevin Hench and I filled in as scabs for Boggs or or the (laughs) contemporaries, but all, all labor management disputes, whether you work in a coal mine or for a baseball team or in a writer's guild, it's like, okay, how much are you making capitalists who don't hit line drives, who don't write jokes, who don't mine coal. You know, Don Blankenship, billionaire coal baron in West Virginia, he doesn't mine coal. He has capital and he owns coal mines. And his goal is to extract as much work for as little money from these guys before he kills them with his bad safety and black lung. And so, yes, much better to be in the baseball union or the Writers Guild Union, but it's just a question of like, how much are you guys making? Give 53% of that to the players because that's who we watch. So I, it's, it is wild that as soon as, like we're all pro labor when the coal miners go out on strike because they need some safety regulations. Then like when the numbers change, it's like, well, why does your political philosophy change? It's still about the guys you watch. You're like, you're rooting for Mookie Betts. Yes, he's making $300 million, but that's who you watch. 
Like I, it is, it's such a bizarre disconnect for me um, that the billionaires have uh, allies in the, in the uh, working class yokels who uh, like, they hate you. They hate I you. Get, but you get it because of the raw number and the resentment of like, we love it, but we're also jealous of, and then this bear some weird um, energy towards uh towards these multimillionaires if they say boo if they are if they're anything other than um uh appreciative of of being millionaires for what they are but of course the pushback is that they are rare specimens who can do this and nobody else can really do it listen what a what a gay time i thought this was great um too and i hope it like i say i hope it it healed some emotional wounds for you that uh, started earlier in the week you showed some real um uh, some real grace, not laying into the current Red Sox there, Hench. Also, even more so for not saying when he, I, I heard Wade say, because it occurred to me when he said, like, you can't blame anybody for a game six. Like, you really bit your tongue there, and I'm proud of you. That showed some real maturity. Like, I, I can. <laughs> I can do four hours. Uh, you can wake me up in the middle of the night and go, do four hours on who you'd blame for game six. Okay. Let me see go. if I can get it right. Number one to my eye, and I was watching the Red Sox with the old man and all that, so so it's not like I was a passive viewer of it. But just for the record, the the correct order is Rich Gedman one, Bob Stanley two, and then Bill Buckner. If not Bill Buckner, then the skipper who takes Dave Stapleton out for Bill Buckner. Uh, McNamara, McNamara one, right. um, uh, and a oh, McNamara one, Chiraldi. I mean, I go through a lot before I get to poor Billy Buck, you know, who is inoculated because he shouldn't have been on the field. It's like, uh, right, I, right. He's well down at least. Yeah. So, um, but I, you know, it, get it, Bob's it, back on. We got to tell, we got to let him know our list, our list. But uh, <laughs> we should have done that for him, actually. <laughs> Au contraire, Wade. There are many culprits. Well, it's funny you say, you know, like not mentioning the Red Sox. It's like, we it's funny Boston and New York are going through a simultaneous sports apocalypse. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's really berserk, but um, the, when you're like the Red Sox are bad, it's like um, I've been going to the Red Sox for solace from my super Bruins and super Celtics. Like the Red Sox are kind of a fun team. They can score or give up seven runs in any inning. They're they're like a beer league softball team. They're kind of oddly enjoyable and not in last place. Um, a, 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 a place where a certain uh, certain New York New York Yankee team resides. Oh, no, that's a that's a hindsight kick or whatever a horse does with its back legs. Eddie Spaghetti, huh? Boggs got bit in the back by a horse. You enjoy that, Eddie Spaghetti? Yeah, I did. I did like it a lot. And I was going to, my one question would have been kind of what Hench is alluding to. It's like when you are the Yankees, when you deal with the offseason early on, you know, retaining Aaron Judge, bringing in guys like Rodone to bolster up that staff. Um, and then you have a coach in the hot seat, a GM in the hot seat. Like, what, I know it's May 3rd. It's early. I, I refuse to get super concerned with the Yankees uh, at all in April and May. I, I think it's still kind of early on to, to get really the hit the panic button, but like when do players in that clubhouse, when mm. do they panic and when do like, how much do the expectations of like, okay, uh, our manager may get fired. Our GM's going to get fired was pressure on us because we have won a world series since 2009. Like when does that creep in on the players and how does it affect them? Cause I think uh, my guess is like, that's kind of what's going on with this, this current Yankees group. 
Yeah, that would have been a good question. You got to jump in there, Spaghetti. No, no, no. He doesn't want to ask him about uh, Oswaldo Cabrera. Who cares? Listen, the problem is the Yankees are not good. Like that lineup is shallow. It, you know, obviously Judge being hurt exposes it further. But man, talk about a breather for opposing pitchers. What a world we live in. Bizarro world indeed. The Pittsburgh Pirates are better than either the Red Sox or Yankees. That's all I have to say about it. But listen, all right, great times. Thanks to Wade Boggs. Thanks to Pat's Blue Ribbon um, for giving us 26 slash 12 slash 12 there. That was good times. I hope it was a thrill for Hench and for Spaghetti to hear a guy who who did great deeds for their team and for the Rays fans out there as well. Um, We'll be back after the sports weekend for you to break it all down. And until then, for everybody at the Extra Points Network, thanks so much. It's been a thin slice of heaven.